The Victory Formation podcast is brought to you by Pilgrim Roasters. Pilgrim Roasters is a roastery and coffee shop located at 4120 Main Street in Maniunk, Philadelphia. Pilgrim Roasters specializes in unique coffees from all over the world, brought specially to you in-store and online at www.pilgrimroasters.com. Take 10% off your first order with Pilgrim Roasters when typing in promo code GOODSOUP10 at checkout and figure out what all the buzz is about. You know something? No soup for you! Come back one year! We both have so much in common. We both love soup. Soup's not a meal! You're supposed to buy me a meal! I'm not stopping you from eating! Go ahead and eat, get anything you want! That's a lot of soup! That's a lot of soup. It looks delicious. What's up, everybody? It is Tuesday, February 22nd. NBA All-Star Weekend has come and gone. Finney, any thoughts on the activities or the games? No, I mean, the, the, the activities, I guess you could say, and the games, um, they were pretty good. Um, I think over the past, like, five to ten years, my expectation for All-Star Weekend has slowly been been going down um but it's still good it's it's always crazy you know we went out to a bar saturday night um and i was there with family and they really haven't been watching a lot of the nba but they see the lineup for like the all-star team they're like oh my gosh that's like an insane lineup like that team's gonna be really good and i have to tell my parents like yeah it's it's the all-star weekend what do you expect it's the best players in the league um yeah i mean i I always love i always love seeing just like even, I mean, the, the NFL Pro Bowl is, is a joke, but when you have like NBA All-Star Weekend, I wish the games were more serious, but it's always fun to see the best players from all the teams come together and, and, and play. I, I think that's that's always pretty awesome. Yeah, man. Um, I think we're at a point in the NBA where we have more talent in the league than we've ever had before. It's a pretty redundant statement. Uh, pretty much every analyst says that, but it's true. Uh, we are at a point in the NBA where the skill level is higher than it's ever been. And I thought this weekend was really cool. You know, I kind of shit on Cleveland and having it in Cleveland. I did not realize that they had the 25th and 50th anniversaries of the NBA in Cleveland as well. This is the 75th anniversary. All the, the 75 team and everything surrounding it was really, really cool. And I really dug kind of the players reminiscing. I don't know if you watched the pregame for it. I did because I have no life. And Shaq was incredible. I mean, Shaq is usually pretty boisterous, not super humble guy. That's his personality. But he really like humbled himself and went into thanking people who helped him develop his game and get his mind right and recapped how he kind of went from a spoiled guy who wasn't sure if he wanted to rap or play basketball to arguably the greatest center of all time while at the same time saying he wasn't the greatest center of all time and thanking the guys that came before him. It was a really cool moment. It was really awesome that they had Ernie and Chuck and Kenny and Shaq on the call, but also like D Wade was on the play-by-play. And so was Reggie Miller for the whole weekend. And they were on the 75 team and they brought AI in to talk and guys were walking by talking to him. It was just a really cool atmosphere and a really cool weekend. There was a brand new rising stars format. And I thought it was the best thing from the whole weekend. 
they did a little AAU style tournament where I think the there was two games to start and they both were up to 50 and then a championship game that was up to 25. It was an incredible format. It changed the entire complexity of the event. They're younger players. They're going to play hard. It did have a very like AAU. You're in the stands watching a bunch of games feel to it. And I thought it was really cool. And the NBA rarely gets these things right when they change formats, but I really thought they changed it in a, in a really positive way for the rising stars game. I don't know if you got to catch that or not. No, it was, it was cool. And, and I'm, I'm relooking at the team rosters now. Um, I thought it was cool how they had like team Barry, team Isaiah, team Peyton. It was like kind of yeah. the older guys were in, were, were in on it. Um, God, I mean, I mean, all these guys play like came from AAU. That's like the new development of, of the NBA is the AAU system. Um, I thought it was really cool. I, I, I always loved the rising stars, especially LaMelo. My guy was in it. Yeah. Um, Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at all the players names now. I mean, the NBA is going to be great for the next 10 to 15 years with, with all of these guys um, at the helm. So I'm excited I, for it. I mean, it was what seven, eight years ago, we had Michael Carter Williams in this game. Like they were not great players, but the skill level in this league has jumped so high. It was entertaining. The new format added like a fun element to it. I just thought the NBA killed it and they, they killed it all weekend. They changed the skills challenge, which was on Saturday to three teams one, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the host city, which was Darius Garland and Jared Allen. They had an Antetokounmpo team, which was the three Antetokounmpo brothers. And they had a, uh, a Rooks team, which was Josh Giddy, Scotty Barnes, and why am I pulling a blank on the last? Oh, uh, Cade Cunningham. And it was a really fun event. Um, they had like three different areas where they can get scores. I think the scoring probably needs ironed out a little bit, but the idea for the event was great. We went right into the three-point contest, which I had said on the last pod is my favorite event from the weekend, and it didn't disappoint. Carl Anthony Towns caught fire. He was sick. There were Trey Young did well. The first round was really intense. A lot of guys were in the 20s, and it, I think that's the most objectively skilled uh, event in the whole you know, weekend because you're either a great shooter or you're not. And it's really a gym-like setting shooting off the rack, but there is some strategy to it. And it was super fun. Reggie and Dwayne Wade were great on the call. I thought that was really great. And then the night kind of ended on a sour note because we had probably the worst dunk contest we've ever had. And this was a horrible lineup and a horrible dunk contest. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I, I, I did. But going back to the three-point contest, I have a question and a comment. Yeah. Did they, is like the four-point ball – or was that a three-point ball? Three-point ball. Is, is, is that new? Yes. Uh, I okay. think they did it last year. It's the Mountain Dew ball. And yep. you, you have that at the top in the same spot. It was the same spot as the five-point shot from the skills challenge. Okay. Uh, it's cool. Yep. I like it. It adds another element. If a guy can make that, he can have a bad rack and still kind of catch up if he catches fire. Yeah, yeah. And the, the comment I have is – what Carl Anthony Towns is what a power forward or a center either or somewhere in between and he's winning the three-point contest damn does that tell you how the NBA has changed he's only one of three big men to ever win it uh Dirk Nowitzki Kevin Love Carl Anthony Towns that's crazy I mean I think in the years to come I mean dude you see Brooke Lopez 
yep. throwing up threes. Like everyone has to be a three point shooter nowadays. So I, mean, I think that I, I think that's only the third to ever win it. It will just keep increasing as as, as the years go on. Oh yeah, I mean Embiid hit a pull up three in the All Star game. Like he dribbled around the screen and pulled up for three. It was it was wild. Um, we have big men who can shoot all over the floor now. Yeah, Carl um, Anthony it, Towns did say he was the best shooting big man of all time. I would pump the brakes on that, bud. Derek Nowitzki still exists, but yeah, you know um, there there were there were some really really fun moments from those first two events. The skills challenge had a like shooting stars feel to it in the first round of it. It was, you got points from different sections on the floor and anyone who's ever been to a basketball summer camp knows they always do that event. They put cones out and assign points for different spots. If you can hit a shot, you can't take the same one, two times in a row. It's super fun. It's gotta be really fun to compete in. And it was really cool, but unfortunately we had the dunk contest and I still want to get your thoughts on that. I thought it was the worst dunk contest I've ever seen. I don't, I don't know how you felt. Dude, the dunk contest, like, I think some of the best ones that I can remember, it's like Dwight Howard yep. doing the crazy stuff, like blowing out the candle. Um, JaVale McGee, when he dunked two balls on, on two different hoops, people yep. dunking two balls in the same hoop. Like, it, have we exhausted all the possibilities? Like, people aren't becoming cyborgs. Like, how many more dunks can you do? Granted, I – that people were missing a lot. Like it was kind of pissing me off. Yep. Like these guys not practice, but like, I don't know, like, how do you fix it? You fix it by getting players we care about. Like John Morant almost hit his head on the rim in the game. Why the fuck was John Morant not in that competition? Like, how do you not offer him 10 million to be in that? I don't care. Put someone entertaining in. I mean, Obi Toppin was fine. He's a fine player, but like, I don't give a shit about Cole Anthony. I don't care about Juan Toscano Anderson. I don't even remember who the other person was in the dunk contest, to be honest. It, it was a joke. I, and we said this going into it. How can you only get Cole Anthony and Obi Toppin as your headliners for an event? John Morant wasn't available. Giannis wasn't available. I know that Giannis might not want to do it because he's an MVP, but like, I'd even settle for, for any of these younger guys that have skill. I, I can't stand it. Yeah. Like, how is John Morant not in this competition? That's all I want to know. He's the most electrifying player. He jumps higher than anyone else. He's got literal trampolines in his shoes, and we can't get him in the competition? What's going on? Yeah, I think, like, remember the – I mean, you, you remember it, like the Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon dunk contest. Oh, yeah. That was but, one of the but, best ever. But, but were those guys big names at the time? Uh, like, I'd say, I mean, Levine, not as much, but Gordon was a top five pick. People knew who he was. Yeah. Blake Griffin was another top pick. Like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Like asking these guys who said no, who got asked, like maybe Jod did get asked. And he was like, you know, man, I'm, I've been busting my ass off recently. Um, I'm, I'm in already in the all-star game. I'm just trying to take it easy. Like, so offer him more money. He'll do it. Yeah. That's really yeah, I mean, the answer is pay these guys to do it and they'll do it. And I think that's the only event you need to incentivize like that. But if it means we don't have to watch what we watched on Saturday night, either scrap the event or start paying guys, but no one wants to watch Cole Anthony try and dunk in Tim's like this. So fucking <laughs> stupid, dude. Yeah. You know, Oh, I just thought of an idea. Um, all the, the, the dunking guys 
like on on Instagram that aren't professional basketball players have like a NBA dunk contest versus the guys from the street, like the dude awesome. Jordan, the, the the guy Jordan Killigan from Canada. Yep, who's like a big dunk guy because I know they had a show where it was like people off the street doing dunks. Yeah, I think bring that was in, Shaq's show on TBS. I forget yeah, what it was called. Bring in some guys off the street, not really off the street, but like professional dunkers and have them go against the NBA guys. And maybe the NBA guys are like, shit, we're in the NBA. We need to beat these guys that aren't, aren't, aren't in our league. That's genius. Cool. I, I really love that idea. Add some high school kids in there. Because if the issue is older guys don't have the same bounce, they don't want to get hurt doing it, fine but make it interesting. Don't give me fucking Obi Toppin. Like we picked Obi Toppin and we'll get to it in the betting recap. We had a great weekend, but like Obi Toppin won by default. No one else could make a dunk. The other person was Jalen Green. I just remembered Jalen Green is not only having a horrible season. That was one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a dunk contest. I've never seen anything like it. He, he couldn't even make a dunk. Like he could have gone out there and just did a dunk from under the basket or shot a layup. And it would have been better than what he did. Yeah, it's tough, man. Especially since our expectation, like we've seen Blake Griffin jump over a car, Michael Jordan jump from the half, from the free throw line. Um, Dwight Howard do what Dwight Howard does. Like maybe we were just too spoiled in the early 2000s and 2010s that. I'll say this. When MJ dunked from the free throw line, that had been done by Dr. J 15 years before he did it or 10 years before he did it or whatever. The yeah. only reason that that's memorable is because Jordan did it. Like it, it was because Jordan was in the dunk contest and he did it. Now, a lot of that was Jordan went on to become arguably the greatest player of all time, but you got to get some guys we care about in this. If you're going to go for younger dudes, great, but get some dudes who actually played in the rising stars challenge. I know Cole Anthony did. He's only in that because he's on the magic and that's a terrible team and they'll actually do a good job. There were no, fun celebrities that got dunked over there was no props involved it was lazy it didn't feel very rehearsed and it was shit for lack of a better term yeah it it, it needs to be better it's it, sour like like that's what that's the thing that i tune in for yeah i want to see the dunk content most people do and I know. if it's gonna be that bad like that's just bad for the product i mean it's you know, you the whole wanna, weekend man yeah i mean but you don't want to take away from the whole weekend but that needs to, that's that's a marquee event yes. you know you have spud webb dominique wilkins all the people from history that had amazing dunk contests and now they're they're trotting out this product i mean it's it's not good not good at all no it's not and otherwise was a spectacular weekend with some really fun format changes and some really interesting stuff really the quick game, the, yeah the skills challenge yep I love that because it, it, it kind of goes back to our like Pro Bowl weekend in the NFL. It's cool to see the players doing like practice type drills. You never see that, you know, oh, yeah. uh, unless you get like a clip from Sixers practice from one of the reporters. Like you, you see that, but seeing it on national TV, I, I always think that I, I have a, a soft spot for that. It's always so sick. Hell yeah. And the Cavs won. And you know why they won? Because they practice together every day. Yep. And it was really cool. And I really enjoyed it. It was fun. It was kind of goofy, but it was really fun. And I loved it. Um, the game itself was pretty good, too. You know, the first half, it was a lot of outlets, a lot of, like, stupid, like, you know, pick up basketball moves. But then 
Steph went off, dude. Like Steph went off. I, I've never points. seen someone hit shots from where he was taking shots. That's Steph Curry, man. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Dude, that floater he hit, like going to the baseline almost behind the backboard. How did he make that? How did how do you make that in practice, let alone a game setting? Bro, he, it, he makes shots from the tunnel look routine. Stuff it, that I insane. could do once in my life. Yeah. He I mean, that's that's Steph Curry, man. He's already the best shooter ever. So um they renamed the MVP award after Kobe Bryant. And they had Steph win the award this year, which he should have. He finished, I think, two points shy of the all-time record, which is wild. He was trying to get it at the end. He had 52 points, I think. He was unbelievable. He definitely made the event, but it was fun. Like that last quarter where they play up, they were playing up to like, I think it was like 166 or 163 or something. That was great. Those guys were really trying at the end. I mean, Embiid and Jared Allen were banging down low. Dudes were locking in on defense. They clearly wanted to win. LeBron hit that fadeaway shot to end the game in Cleveland, which was very cool. It was awesome. I, yeah, it was a little boring in the middle, but it's an all-star game. That's what you expect. I, I think they fixed the all-star game with this new format of resetting the score and playing for charity money. The guys seem to really care about it. And they're out there having fun and showing personality. I mean, Steph's hitting threes and turning around before the ball even goes into the basket and beads out there trying to dunk on people. It, it was, it was cool. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You, you wish. And even so like everyone wishes that the entire game was like the last quarter. Um, but you know, it, it is an all-star game. Like you said, yeah. um, guys, don't I, I, get lo- I, I love the format change, especially because you really lock in, for those for that last quarter they're just playing to it to a to a score oh, i i love it yeah and they did it. it in the rising stars challenge too with the new format which mm-hmm. i love the playing up to a score they've been flirting with doing a mid-season tournament idea and i think the rising stars challenge cemented that as a marketable idea like if they played a mid-season tournament where games are up to like 60 points and it was like all in two days i'd be totally in for that just like the teams that didn't make the playoffs or something like that. I, I would love, I'd be all over it. I'd love it. I, I think that would be a great idea. And more on the all-star game, there are a lot of good players in the league, like I said, and everyone played pretty well. It, it was fun to watch. You had John Morant jumping almost over the backboard, dunking the ball and bead was dominating. LeBron was getting buckets. Giannis went on a tear. Steph's hitting shots from literally everywhere. Younger players are stepping up. We had DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine guarding each other, which was very cool. And it was really fun to see them go back and forth, talk trash. It was just a really fun setting and a really fun time. It's, it reminded me why I love the NBA All-Star Game and having all these legends in the arena with these guys made it even better. Totally, man. The NBA has the best All-Star Weekend, I think, I out agree. of all the sports. I yeah. don't really watch the Hockey All-Star Weekend, but... Baseball's of- close. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'd no, say the home run derby is probably the best all-star event in any sport that people watch the most. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. So we can't gloss over this. Yeah. We did bring up LeBron. What do you think about LeBron's comments? Like, what is he doing? I, I was watching some ESPN today. They're talking about like, is LeBron upset with the front office? And I'm like, bro, he is the front office. Yes. Like he's talking about a return to Cleveland. And then the next uh, segment on ESPN is 
LeBron says he's going to play his final year with his son. Like, what's going on? So LeBron gets on everyone's nerves, right? He's cocky. He's arrogant. He thinks he's the king. He's really annoying. All of these things. But I thought Charles Barkley said something really important when he was talking about LeBron at the pregame. For a guy that's been in the limelight every minute of every day since he was 18, LeBron is a remarkable human being. LeBron starts a charity. He's a family man. He loves his wife. He loves his kids. He makes movies with his kids, uses his platform for good, and we still hate him. Listen, I'm not telling you LeBron's the most, you know, marketable, fun dude. But if you compare him as a person to Michael Jordan, he's a way better person. And like, we shit on him all the time for being corny, but you got to give the man credit. He's held it together for so long. Imagine being that famous for so long. Everyone knows who you are in every corner of the world. And he's never done anything wrong. Like we talk about Tiger. I love Tiger. Tiger had all that drama and all that scandal. Usually when you're the greatest in a sport, you have that. LeBron's never had it. So like, yeah, all the weird shit with he's mad at the front office with the Lakers. Well, no shit. He, he does this everywhere he goes. He likes his players that he picks. And then after they don't do well, he's like, get off my team. He wants to play with his son. That's fine. Let him do it. The NBA is going to let him do it. He's LeBron. And then uh, I don't know if you caught Machine Gun Kelly yesterday, but he sucks balls. He is the corniest man alive. I, I know it was in Cleveland. You got to have him on stage, but even his city is like this guy's corny it's it's cringe he's a cringe lord at this point i have no comment eric (laughs) no no comment on cringe lord machine gun kelly i mean if we're trying to get him on the pod can we really trash him no i'm kidding but i (laughs) i don't know dude ever since like ever since he's been dating uh what's her name megan Megan fox Fox. like it's just all this like i'm not saying he's in a blood cult but like all this blood stuff and looking like a fucking footlocker employee when he's trying to engage like he's a pop star dude i I don't know i i don't question those people because they have publicists they do stuff for an image whatever man yeah whatever i I feel you he was just it was so corny and so cringe like my roommate and i were watching it and had a really hard time getting through that segment i was almost like we got to turn this off like (laughs) this is so bad like i am literally cringing right now I remember one of the best, I think it was when Travis Scott, this was like 2017 NBA All-Star Weekend. That was the most insane like halftime performance at an NBA All-Star game I've ever seen. He had like all these like psychedelic looking lights and stuff like that. I remember that. That was sick. Yeah, that, that was awesome. I'll never forget the, um, why am I pulling a blank of the name? The dudes in the white masks who dance and it was in Phoenix and Shaq oh, came the- out that's like the the jiba walkies or yeah yeah Shaq came out and danced with them that was iconic um yeah the the all-star weekend's fun man and it was fun again this year they brought Lil Wayne out at one point and he did uh we taken over because DJ Khaled was there that was pretty sick I had a whole moment with my roommate where I felt so old because um apparently it was little Lil Baby I think I think that's who it was because the baby is the guy from the memes. Um, so yeah, this is Eric is a boomer segment going on right now. Please save me. Wait, oh, little baby, yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty hot, dude. You don't? I have no idea who he is. I had never heard one of his songs when he came out. 
you probably yes indeed i mean you probably have heard it i um, have to have if he's yeah. if they play him in bars and clubs i've heard it but like i had no idea what was going on i was like they're gonna bring dj Collard out and this dude's coming out and then they brought lil wayne and i was like let's fucking go i think mary j blige came out too which was fire she's all over the map recently yeah she she's doing the rounds but yeah little baby uh drip harder um I don't know. I'm, I'm going to sound so bad saying some of these song names. No, but... I, I think that you are in the right here. I think that I am old and out of touch, but I have no idea who the fuck Lil Baby is. Um, I do know Dub Baby from the memes. Yeah. That's really yeah, about I mean, it. I also know your song, like your music preference. Yes. L- listening to his type of rap might not be a, <laughs> in, in your lane, but he, he is pretty big. He Hell is pretty yeah. Big. Well, they, he came out and did a, did a good job. That was fun. Um, yeah, they, they always kill it. The presentation's fun. They did this really cool thing with Steph and his wife and then 2 Chains and her wife, which was like a newlywed game where they were asking them questions about each other. It was horrible for live TV, but NBA halftime, take a note, because that would be really fun at halftime. You bring out like two sets of people. It doesn't even have to be celebrities. Just do a newlywed game at half. That, that sounds fun. It had to be fun for everyone in the arena. I, I was kind of into it. It was cool just seeing like the wife react when when the husband gets something wrong yeah (laughs) and they're blindfolded it was like a pink and blue uh glass they drank from where it's like this person is more likely to do this and then they drink two chains and his wife did not miss a single answer it was pretty wild they're they're in one step together um but that was fun like i'd watch that i'd watch that going forward i had a good time yeah you gotta find uh i know i know we have nba league pass but when, when you find the stream and it's like the local, like the Sixers, for instance, when you yeah. have like the, the NBC Sports uh, Philadelphia local broadcast and they show like the dog catching a Frisbee or the people at halftime trying to shoot the half court shot. That's always the best, man. Yeah. The Sixers halftime has fallen off in recent years. It's just the Stixers who are the drummers come out and do it all the time. And like, yeah, they're cool, but I've seen it a million times. Um, you know, they, 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 need to, they need to step things up. I'd like to see some better halftime entertainment is all I'm trying to say. I bet Lakers have the best halftime entertainment because it's in L.A. Yeah, they should do – now that we're just spitting out ideas, man, the NFL should have some type of like in-between quarters or like halftime, like bring people out there, I don't know, a la me in college kicking field goals. Um, yeah people trying to do like the Dr. Pepper, make it in the, make it in the can, make it in the circle, win some money. Like I'd love to see that. And, and you can put some product placement for commercials. You can run commercials while you're showing it. Like give, give, give the common people, give the fans an opportunity to get on TV, compete a little bit. Um, give us something else to root for. Just root for some random people doing some activities i mean if i'm if i'm at the game too and i'm paying 150 dollars for a ticket in the nosebleeds at least give me some entertainment that's why the nba is great at that they're like yeah you it's it's mostly for people in the arena but like you came to the game and we're going to give you some entertainment and the all-star game is the pinnacle of that and it's constant entertainment it was really fun this year i i think everything that we hit on combined to one of the greatest all-star weekends i've ever watched and definitely the best in the last couple of years no doubt. Great job, NBA. Great awesome. Job. Well, we're going to transition right into our NBA roundup. We're going to be joined by James Esposito, and we're going to give out you know, our picks for the second half, hit on some storylines, get some Lakers talk. So uh, stay tuned for that.
All right, guys, we are now joined by James Esposito, NBA insider, fan, everything, joining us here on the podcast. James, welcome to the Victory Formation podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. we got an exciting season so far this year, and I think this is one of those seasons where, you know, people, people get tired of the NBA sometimes because they feel like, you know, the winner's already set in stone or the finals matchup is set in stone, but we definitely got a few teams that could compete this year. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to uh, exciting playoffs for sure. Oh yeah. I think the East and the West are both kind of wide open right now. It's tough to remember a year that's been more competitive than this year. Teams vying for positioning and all of that. Who do you like for MVP after the second half ends? So, so predicting who's going to end up winning the MVP by the end of the season. Yes. So I would go, I would probably have to go Giannis again. Um, I think there's a few guys who are at that top level offensively this season, but I think that out of those top guys offensively, he just also happens to be, you know, the top of them defensively. And then, you know, you could even make an argument number one in the entire league defensively. So, and, you know, a lot of teams, you know, things have kind of been weird with injuries and then all the, like the COVID, you know, people missing games and whatnot. So a lot of teams have missed a lot of players this season. And, you know, a lot of teams are still working on their chemistry and everything, but I really like their core of that Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday, because all three of those guys can play defense and score. So I think that's what brought them to the championship last year. And you know, just when you look at his overall game, the way he creates, the way he just helped defense, the way he covers ground. I mean, the guy's a, a great rim protector and he's not even your five, you know, because yeah. if Brooke Lopez is healthy, he's out there too. And they're just a really tough team to score on. And, you know, if you're going to win a championship in today's game, you got to be great offensively and you got to be great defensively. So someone like Jokic, for example, you know, offensively, he might even have better numbers than Giannis when you, when you factor in the assists, but defensively, there's too much of a gap there. So I got to go with Giannis. Yeah. I like the pick. Um, um, Eric, just to hop in. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at odds that were updated on the 14th of February uh, and beads at plus 175, then Jokic at plus 325. And then you got Giannis at plus 400. So it's good um, bet. He's the third best odd. Uh, what do you think about like Steph Curry and, and Ja in there, James? Steph is at plus 700. Ja's at plus 1200. Well, so Steph was obviously the favorite for a good portion of the season, actually. And we've seen him go on a very rare cold streak for, for his standards, really. And because he was up over 30 points per game for a while. And yeah. then now he's down around 25. Now, obviously, you know, we all know he's the greatest shooter of all time. So this is obviously an anomaly, but I do think that he has actually fallen behind far enough to where I, I don't see him passing those other guys. Cause like I said, even if he does bring his numbers back up, there's just still just such a big difference between him and Giannis defensively that I don't know about that. And then Morant, Morant is, is great. And he's really coming on, but I still just have him at least, you know, in that second tier, maybe for the MVP race. Yeah, no, I, I, my pick is Jokic and that hurts me because I want Embiid to win it, but I think the Sixers are going to have a feeling out period with him and Harden and his numbers are going to take a little bit of a dip. I mean, Embiid is third in the NBA in usage rate up over 40% right now. Insane. Like a big man's never done this. 
And yeah. I, I don't think that'll continue because of Harden coming in. And as much as I want to pick Embiid, I can't. Jokic is the best player in the league, and they're hurt, and they don't have a lot of guys. And he's going to get a lot of opportunity down the stretch. I like Giannis as a pick, and I really like Steph because I think his numbers dipped in January, and they were trying to get Clay back into the flow, giving him more touches, let him find his groove. He's still figuring things out, looking like a guy who hasn't played in two years because he hasn't. I like Steph and and Giannis and Jokic. I would take Jokic because I think his team dictates that he has to do the most. I don't know if the Bucs winning last year affects how hard they try down the stretch. They might be a team that's like, hey, if we're healthy and we're in, we can win. Um, Golden State's going for that one seed. And if Steph has a month like he did in October, you know, in March, and that's the lasting image of the league at the end of the year, he could definitely take that award. So... Yeah, I'll pick Jokic with Steph in second. I, I do like the honest pick, though, because if Brooke comes back and if they turn it on, there's not a better player in the league than Giannis. So that's a that's a good pick. Yeah, I think uh, Steph, I could definitely see the voters giving it to Steph because we've seen throughout history that voters tend to love to give it to a team that's, you know, one of those top two seeds. Yeah. So just if they get that one seed in the West, especially without Chris Paul there for the Suns, it, it could definitely happen for sure. Yeah, man. Well, I'll transition into some team stuff. Who do you like right now in the Western Conference? Uh, give me, you know, one of the top four teams that you think is going to grab that one seed and maybe a team in or out of the playoff picture at the bottom that you think can make some noise. So I was just, you know, just looking at the standings, you know, right, right before hopping on this. And with Chris Paul out now, um, you know, I think it was really close between them and the Warriors for who was the best team in the West as of this current moment. And it, without Chris Paul, I think that the Suns are a really deep team and they'll be fine in the regular season, but they definitely need him back and healthy for the playoffs, even though they somehow managed to do pretty well. I mean, you know, make it to the finals and then, and then lose last year with Chris Paul nowhere near hundred percent with, with the messed up shoulder, he could barely shoot the ball. And I think a lot of that is because, you know, Devin Booker actually has really underrated, you know, point guard type playmaking ability. So, yeah, they'll be fine the regular season, but I, it, it hurts me to say this. I'm not a fan of the team, but I, I guess I have to say that the Warriors are looking like the best team to come out of the West right now. And because they really have underrated depth that really isn't that far off from those previous teams when when they won a few championships like you know um pools having a really good season wiggins obviously an all-star you know uh gary payton jr plays good, really good defense and then with wiseman coming back like and then all these guys and that's just you know your surrounding pieces around your core of obviously steph clay and draymond so it does pain me to say it but i would have to lean the warriors and then in terms of a lower team that could maybe make some noise and, you know, I, I have to preface that, you know, saying I am a Lakers fan and, you know, things are looking pretty grim right now. We're just finding out that Anthony Davis is going to be out for four weeks. But um, and from the start, Finn can testify that I was on record hating the Russell Westbrook, Russ Westbrook trade. Oh, I hated yeah. that move so much. Couldn't agree um, more. Yeah. And even even if it wasn't a bad fit, just stylistically, I just don't like 
Russell Westbrook's game in this modern age, regardless of whether he's fallen off, taken a step back or not. I think that his game made more sense 10 years ago to where now you have so much talent with, with the shooting and everything that these young guys can provide that what he does just isn't as valuable as it used to be. Yeah. Um, but also just don't be shocked. Like when the Lakers were the one seed a couple of years ago, you know, their starting lineup was Avery Bradley, Danny Green, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Dwight Howard. And that team was the one seed in the West and won the finals. So, you know, I think it would be bet. I think best case scenario for them, hypothetically, Anthony Davis comes back and is fine. You know, <laughs> you don't want to wish an injury upon somebody, but they would be, they would actually be better off if Russell Westbrook were to go down or something like that. And then if Kendrick Nunn comes back healthy, you know, they they do still have the obviously the talent on paper. Chemistry is obviously huge in basketball compared to really most other sports, but. Um, them and then obviously the the Clippers. You know, you never know if Kawhi and Paul George come back. What what type of noise they can make? But other than that, I, I'd say those are probably you know the two teams that are low in the standings that could you know make some noise and beat one of the top teams come playoff time. Yeah, um, love the Warriors pick. I think with Chris Paul out and some of the front court depth issues the Suns have, where they really only have Aiton, and if he gets in foul trouble they're going to be in trouble, especially in a playoff series. Um, I think they might even slide to the three seed at this point. I really like Memphis and what they're doing. I can't justifiably pick them over Golden State because of what Golden State has. Um, at the bottom of the standings, I like the Spurs. And I'm not saying to win a series, but I do like the Spurs to creep into the playoffs. I think DeJounte Murray is one of the most underrated players in the league. He can flat out do everything. Pop's a great coach. I mean, the Blazers and the Lakers and the Clippers are the teams ahead of them right now. Who knows if Kawhi's coming back for the Clippers. Other than that, I just don't think they're a very good team. I've said my piece in the Lakers before. I think Russ is a horrible fit for everything you said, both culture and play style. He's not a functional passer. He's what I would like to call a statistical passer. He likes to pad the stat sheet. Same with rebounds. He's a bad team guy, a bad locker room guy. I wouldn't be shocked if he's not even with the team at the end of the year, as in LeBron just tells him to go the fuck home. Uh, yeah. He could make an attitude adjustment. Who knows? But it's like that relationship where you keep expecting her to change and she doesn't do it. That's Russell Westbrook in the Lakers. And I don't think he's going to change all of a sudden midway through a season and get better. Anthony Davis is out. Who knows if he even comes back and is healthy when he comes back because he's hurt all the time. And I don't think the Blazers are going to hang on without Dame. I, I think the Spurs could move up in the rankings a little bit. I think the Lakers will get in. Um, but yeah, as for the Western Conference, after Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies, Jazz, it's wide open. I mean, any of these teams can get in. The Nuggets have issues. The Timberwolves are the seventh seed right now. Like, anything's possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yes. So some of those teams are obviously, you know, pretty good. But I do think there's a, a, a step between – them and you know the warriors for example like yeah the, the the mavericks can you know they can win some games but i don't know if i can't see them winning a full series and then um the nuggets you know if they get jamal murray and michael porter jr back that'll be huge for them but you know like i said chemistry is huge with basketball and yeah i think i think the east is probably looking a little probably more wide open than the west as of right now yeah so Great segue. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Finn. Yeah. No, just to hop in on some odds, <clears throat> and I'll 
talk about the West and then go to the East. Uh, the Warriors plus 185, they're the betting favorite. The Suns are plus 200. Uh, the Lakers, like James mentioned, they're plus 1600. They're they're like in like the top middle of the pack in terms of in terms of odds. Um, you know, if, if the listeners want to take anything with that. But to transition to the East, like James said, it's wide open. The oh, yeah. favorite right now, Bucks at plus 300. Then you have the Nets at plus 310. Um, Sixers plus 325 so those are the top three and they're all at plus 300 then you look at the heat or the next team at plus 550 so i'll lead off with that so just just real quick what um just two more teams that i want to hear in the east that i think could actually surprise some people i just want to hear the odds on them real quick the celtics and the raptors just out of curiosity celtics are plus a thousand so they're the next team out of that and then the Raptors are plus 5,000. Um, See, those, those are two teams that I wouldn't mind just taking a little, little flyer at just because, like I said, in, in today's game, you got to be able to play defense and score. Mm-hmm. And I think those teams are actually just one through five really can they, – they have, like, perfect lineups for today's game where they can really switch a lot of the spots and guard the perimeter um, – they just, they're really young and athletic. Um, obviously, they're lacking a little of the star power that some of the other top teams have. But in terms of odds, I wouldn't mind throwing a little something on one of those teams right there. Yeah, I, I like the Raptors because they have Nick Nurse. And exactly what you said about switching, the way he switches matchups, especially with Scotty Barnes now in the fold offensively, giving them a little bit of that point forward action. They can switch on anyone defensively in any lineup they throw out on the floor. And Nick Nurse is a great coach. They're going to be a lot of trouble. Like right now, they're slated to play the Bulls in the first round. That'd be a hell of a series. I don't know if Chicago could escape that. So, yeah. Um, you know who I'm going to pick at the top of the East. I'm going to pick the Sixers. I'm a homer. I'm a fan. I also think that people are undervaluing Harden so much because he clearly didn't want to be in Brooklyn. And he did the thing where he showed up to Philly and he was immediately 20 pounds lighter somehow and looked great. And I think him and Embiid are going to fit really well. He's never had a real good center. His best center was Capella, who was a great rim runner. But Embiid can do stuff that Capella just can't. They can run pick and pop. They can run pick and roll. He can get some action going with some of the other guys on the team. I like them a lot to come out of the East. They're only two and a half back of the heat right now. Um, I like the Bucs, clearly. Again, I talked about, I don't know how hard they're going to play. One team I really, really like, and I've talked about it, is Cleveland. I know they're new on the scene, and they don't have all the stars. Darius Garland is really good. I love Jared Allen's motor, high-energy guy. They have other pieces. They have Sexton. Laurie Markkinen's going to come back. Um, And they traded for Karis LeVert, who's an energy plug scorer off the bench. And I think if they get into a series with Boston or Toronto or even Brooklyn, who I really don't like, I think they're going to give them a lot of trouble. Uh, One team at the very bottom that I think will do really well in the second half and jump up and be a factor in that playing game are the Hawks. Eastern conference finals last year, deepest team in the league. They got guys up and down their roster. Yeah. They don't have any big men, but at the end of the day, it didn't hurt them last year in the playoffs. And they played the one team in the East with a dominant big man in the Sixers and beat them. I think they're sneaky. Good. 
They're five and five in their last 10. They're starting to figure things out. I think coming out of the break, you're going to see them balls to the wall, go really hard. And I think they're better than the Hornets. I think they're better than the Nets. I honestly think they're better than the Raptors right now. And they might be better than the Celtics. So I would look out for the Hawks on making a run late in this year. I, I definitely agree with a few things you said right there. I, I wrote down, I wanted to bring up the Cavs because I, I would say, you know, if I had to guess that they probably don't have enough firepower this season to come out of the East. But I mean, just looking at their roster, I really, really do love that roster going forward for sure. Like oh, yeah. Darius Garland, I was huge on Garland um, coming out of Vanderbilt. He only played four games at Vanderbilt, but just watching those four games, I knew that this kid, he's, he's kind of, he reminds me of a, less athletic Damian Lillard the oh, way yeah. that he plays the game. Um, and then, like you said, Jared Allen, I mean, guy's a freak, one of the best defensive players in the league. And then Evan Mobley, the oh, way that yeah. he can, the way that Mobley, when he gets switched onto a guard, he's over seven foot tall. That's why they could play three seven footers on the floor at once with Allen, Mobley, and Marketing. Because Mobley, you know, he, he Mobley and Allen, if they get switched on a guard, you know, they're fine. Like they have enough speed to keep up with them. And that's really a separator, especially in the playoffs when, you know, it just comes down to, you know, teams will just try to isolate, you know, certain matchups or, or just get a pick and roll and then exploit a player. But the Cavs are a tough team to do that too. I do like the Hawks a lot. Um, I don't know. I, the Nets though, if the Nets hypothetically have their full healthy team, um, you know, does anyone really exactly know when Kyrie is going to be able to play, you know, every game? And just, that, that's not just the mayor of New York. I think he's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know because it's, I, I don't even, you know, it's hard to even keep up with that stuff these days, but, but I mean, with a full roster, the Nets, the Nets might have the best roster in the East though. Just, you know, Kyrie and KD alone is a crazy combination, but then, when you have Seth Curry and Joe Harris there to, you know, just catch and shoot threes at a rate as high as anyone else. And then I actually really like the, um, the Goran Dragic move that they just made today. Yeah, that was a good and move. He, he could run that second lineup. I, I wanted to get him for the Lakers. That would have been good for them, you know, get, get another playmaker out there, but it's a good move for them. And then Patty Mills too, again, add him in with Seth Curry and Joe Harris and knock down threes. And then Simmons, I mean, again, Simmons, you know, he's another example. We just don't exactly know what's going on with him so yeah they they probably lack chemistry that some of the other top teams do but if if they can get everyone on the floor together they are going to be dangerous I mean the Nets were inches away from taking down the Bucks last season who won the finals without Kyrie and with James Harden very very limited not playing well at all yeah I mean listen the Nets have all the talent my main argument with them is I think Simmons is going to implode their locker room I think the first time he passes up a crunch time shot, Durant's going to get in his face because Durant's a no-nonsense guy. He's just going to tell you what he's feeling. He doesn't give a fuck. And we've seen with Simmons in the past, he doesn't exactly respond well to criticism. And he's not exactly the most mentally strong player. And I'm interested to see what happens. Like everyone's talking about him and Kyrie in the same locker room. Whatever. I mean, that's not great, but I think him and Durant is a problem. And if he's not shooting the ball and he's not playing up to the level Durant expects him to look for that to be a huge issue. I mean, Durant got in Draymond's face when he was missing threes, but at least Draymond was taking threes. If Ben's standing there not shooting the ball, Durant's going to get in his face about it. And I don't think it's going to go well. 
they could easily vault themselves to the top of the standings based on talent alone. You're totally right. I mean, they have Durant and Kyrie and all these good bench guys. I mean, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, there's talent there. The question is, will it mesh? And I, I just don't see it meshing well for them uh, this year. Maybe going forward, it does. And maybe Simmons works out there. And if he does and it works, they're going to be great. So I wouldn't bet on it, but that's just, that's just my thoughts. Yeah, locker room, locker room wise, I would definitely have to agree with you that I could definitely see a lot going wrong with that team for sure. Finney, who do you like in the East? Look at the standings now. Um, to come out and win the East and represent the East in the finals, I like what James is saying about the Bulls. Um, or wait, no, about the Cavs. Like three seven footers, like height is is a lot in in the NBA, especially with rebounds. Um, it's anti-small ball. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm all about the contrarian side of, of coaches and making teams, but it's, it's tough to bet against the bucks, especially with the honest, the Sixers. I mean, I got I mean, being on this podcast with you, Eric, talking about the Sixers, <laughs> like I'm, you can't, you can't hype them up or else I'm just gonna, I'm gonna dude, nod over yeah, here. You're kind of rubbing off on me. If I had to pick a team though, just to be fun, Especially, I'm looking at the odds now on the – let me check it out really quick. Uh, conference. Dude, Cavs at plus 2,000? That's a fun pick. Yeah, I mean, again, I think James hit it perfectly. I don't think they're ready to win yet, like the whole conference. But the Hawks weren't ready last year, and they almost did it. So right. anything's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Suns came out of the West last year too, yeah. and they, they had no playoff experience. Yeah, so I'll go for the Cavs just to be fun. Well, transitioning off the Cavs, James, let me get your pick for rookie of the year. I mean, we just talked about him. I, I guess I'll, yeah, I'll have to stick with Mobley. Yep. And I think Barnes is probably my number two on that list. And it's some of the similar reasons between them, just the way that, you know, they're, they're very physical. They, you know, they move their feet very well, very athletic. Um, Mobley is doing slightly more damage offensively, I want to say. And then uh, Barnes, I know he has potential to get his outside shot going. And when he does, it's going to make him a lot more dangerous. And then the rest of that team are dangerous as well. Because on the wing, when you have him, Anunobi, and uh, Siakam as their three, four, five, you know, that's like, that's kind of like a perfect modern day lineup, obviously, you know, against certain teams a big man might be able to take some advantage of them, but against most, against a lot of teams are, they're going to be just fine. I'll take Mobley too. I mean, this season per 100 possessions, he's averaging 21.8 points, 3.7 assists, 1.2 steals, 2.4 blocks. He's been outstanding. And then 11.8 rebounds and he's getting more and more minutes as time goes on. His PER is 15.9 on the season. His defensive box plus minus is 1.7. That is really good. And his VORP is 1.2. I, I mean, to have a 1.2 value over a replacement player as a rookie is pretty impressive, especially not a ball-dominant rookie. I think he's only getting better the last few weeks. He's been playing really, really well. He's only averaging 14.9 conventionally on the season right now. But as he gets more minutes and as he gets more exposure – I think he's going to finish the season really strong. And now that they have some offensive help and he can kind of create more with the basketball, which he's really good at, he has a very good feel for the game. 
I really like him. Keep an eye out for Josh Giddy as well. Um, he scored 28 in the garden the other night and had a triple-double. If he can score, this dude's incredible. I, he thinks five or six passes ahead. I, there aren't 10 passers who are better than him in the league right now, and he's a rookie. Um, I know that that's a really bad team, so a lot of his stats might be inflated a la Michael Carter-Williams playing on a garbage team. I think he's really good, and I would keep an eye out for him in the second half, but Evan Mobley's my pick too. What about you, Finn? Yeah, looking at the odds right now, Mobley's minus 500, clear betting favorite. The next guy is Scotty Barnes at plus 750. So Vegas is telling you all you need to know here. Um, It's probably going to be Mobley. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, We'll close out on a little Lakers talk here. The Lakers are the nine seed right now. We've documented so far on this podcast all their struggles. James, make the case. Why are the Lakers still a contender in the Western Conference? So I, I think the, the case is the, the best case you can make for them is the point that I made earlier, the fact that, you know, they, they won the championship two years ago with a lineup that was, it, it didn't blow, it really didn't blow you out of the water at all. It was LeBron and AD and then a bunch of role players. So if LeBron and AD are healthy, the rest of the team doesn't need to be really anything special for them to be one of the better teams in the league. Um, we, we did both say that, you know, I mean, nobody really in the world likes the way Russell Westbrook is playing, especially on this team right here. But um, I mean, even last year, you know, people, people were saying the same thing about this Lakers team because they were banged up a little bit and they had to play in a playing game to make the playoffs. And then they wound up playing the Suns in the first round. And if you remember that Sun series, Right. The Lakers lost the first game and then, you know, they're still getting their chemistry down the next two games. They won. And the that game three, they were dominating that game. And that was the game when um, Drummond was LeBron was post up on Crowder and Crowder was kind of hacking him a little bit. And LeBron was laughing at him and then was, you know, literally trying to like, you know, just pull out some flashy type moves. And Drummond was on the bench mimicking the post moves and the clips were going viral and they were kind of. They were basically toying with the Suns, who ended up going on to obviously, you know, lose the finals. But they were even up two games zero on the Bucks. So, um, if if Anthony Davis didn't get hurt in that Phoenix series, the Lakers, the Lakers had control of that series, and that was with Dennis Schroeder at point guard. And Dennis Schroeder was not shooting the ball well at all last year either. So, yes, the Russell Westbrook fit isn't great, and you know, the Russell Westbrook specifically is just playing bad but like i said the lebron and ad combo is just so good that you know they have enough okay role players to the point where if if monk is is hitting shots mellows hitting shots maybe kendrick nunn comes back plays well um dwight howard maybe he gets that that's another thing that's tough for them too is that it's hard for them to play dwight howard and deandre jordan and really bolster their defense because it's hard to put those guys on the floor with russell westbrook yeah, the, the spacing is just really tough. So he really does put a major wrench in things. Um, I was I was still holding out some optimism until this news broke that, you know, it's going to be four weeks for AD. That definitely just, you know, because, you know, chemistry is, is, is going to be all it's going to be all messed up. But it's definitely it's definitely 100 percent not over for them. We see this every year with every LeBron team, you know, 
they're always worse in the regular season than they are in the playoffs. I mean, he's 37 years old. We know he coasts through regular season games. He doesn't really check in defensively until the playoffs or if it's a fourth quarter close game. So definitely don't count him out. But no, even as a Lakers fan, I'm not going to say they're a favorite or anything. What are the odds, too, though, that like they're what, the nine seed? They have a bad stretch here. Do they miss the fucking playoffs? Like, It's not out of the realm of possibility. The thing is, though, is that the other teams around them, like um, the Trailblazers, just destroyed their lineup. Yeah, they're then done. It's, yeah, the Pelicans, the Spurs. I do agree probably the Spurs might be the best team out of those teams right there. But, you know, it's not – the East actually has a few good teams around that area where, like, the Hawks are under 500, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. And I would counter with how many times has LeBron missed the playoffs in his career? If LeBron has to go nuclear and get a triple-double five straight games, I don't see why he don't, doesn't do that. Like, it's LeBron. He can just go out there and decide, I'm taking this team to the playoffs by himself. And even at 37 years old, I think he can still do that. I mean, he's playing center for them in some lineups. It's wild. I, again, I don't think they slide out of the playoffs. I just don't see them stacking up well with any of the teams at the top. Like if they draw the Warriors in the first round, good luck. That's really tough, especially the way they're playing defense. And I think he hit it on the head with with Dwight Howard because we had him in Philly last year. And he is a, a true rim runner. All he can do is catch and dunk. If you get him a post touch, he's not making a basket. So there's some issues, but again, it's LeBron. So if LeBron decides that they're going to go on a run, honestly – you can't ever count LeBron out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome, dude. This has been great. Thanks for hopping on the podcast with us. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do this again come playoff time and, and check in and get your playoff predictions. For sure. I'll be ready. Thank you, James. It's awesome. Thanks, brother. Thanks, guys. Now that is a good soap. And we're back. Well, shall we hit on Finney's betting corner recap from the weekend? It was a good one. Hell yeah. Probably starting 3-0 and in college basketball. Uh, yeah. Jesus, Eric. Now, now we have expectation, man. Now we got to go, go even harder. But we had Florida eking one out against the number two ranked team in the country, Auburn. You heard Let's it here go. first. We picked it. We picked it. A 16 and 10 team over 24 and 2. Who who picks that? We who do. Picks um, it. We do. Yeah, you're damn right. It it was um, you know, the spread was only, I know we were texting beforehand, only four and a half. You know, we expected it to be a little bigger. I think Eric, you said you got it at plus 150. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it was 175, plus 175. Okay, yeah, plus 175. I mean, we wanted it to be a little bigger so we could give the viewers a little bit more juice um this weekend, but um good pick i mean it was, it was a close game i mean that's what you a expect. great game we, we were looking at it like florida needed this win and Hell auburn yeah. might come in a little slow um i mean it was back and forth all all, all game i it was a great game to watch especially when you had florida and they pull it out in the end fucking awesome um great work there i don't know if you had anything to add uh to that florida game Uh, I just thought it was a great game to watch and Florida. I don't know if they're a team to look out for in the tournament, but they're going to be one of the last four in first four out type of team. They're going to probably need to win out down the stretch. They don't play a lot of great teams left, but 
they got a legit chance to make the tournament and the way they play defense, I wouldn't want to face them. Yeah. They're going to have to do good in the, uh, in the conference tournament. Obviously yeah, they're either going to have to win out and then win one game in the conference tournament uh, or win the conference tournament. Like they can't afford two more losses down the stretch, but if they finish at 20 and 10, all they really have to do is win one game in the conference tournament. They're going to get a, a buy presumably in the sec first round of that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a great fun pick rooting for a good underdog. Um, and then we had the Kentucky game. That was really never in doubt. Uh, they pretty much blew out Alabama. Um, so I, I watched that game and I will say this, that game was very much in doubt in the first half. Alabama would not miss. They hit, I think like eight of their first nine threes, they were on fire. Kentucky, if you want to make a bet right now on a national championship future, put it on Kentucky. I have one locked in from the beginning of the year at some really spicy odds, but they're unbelievable, man. I'm not even going to attempt to say their center's name, number 32, but they can play inside. They can play outside. They can score. They can defend you. I think out of all the teams I've watched in college basketball, they're just a cut above everyone else right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking at the box score now. It was, I mean, it was a nine-point game, so it was definitely within reach at the end. So, I mean, pretty- Kentucky did end up blowing them out. Like, they were up 15 at one point in the second half. But if you yeah. look at that first half, I think it was tied going into halftime, if I'm not mistaken. Like, Alabama got up, I think, 28 to 17 in this game, and they were hitting everything. Like, they couldn't miss. They were getting open shots. Kentucky just bit down on their mouth guard and went in for more and wanted the smoke. And they started giving it to the big man inside. And he's a player of the year candidate. I, you have it right in front of you. Do you want to take a shot at pronouncing his last name? Is it? Oh, the forward. Uh, Toshibwe? Yeah. It's like Toshibe, Toshibe, something yeah. like that. He's unbelievable, man. I mean, he's so big. When they get him the ball inside, he's got post moves for days. He's going to be a matchup nightmare, but they can also shoot from outside, and they have guards that can create, and they play great defense. They have all of the formula that I think could make up a championship team. I'm really excited to watch them play in the tournament. Yeah, I will say this. Looking at the box score, dude, their starters played 36 to 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, Like, their bench – four minutes, two minutes, one minute, two minutes. I don't know if they have a depth problem. They do have a depth problem. They're not very Yeah, like that'd be a cause for concern, especially if people get cold in the tournament, Um, you know. But Calipari recruits well. Um, He gets the boys ready to play. Yeah, so if if they, you know, I'm looking at it like starters had 25, 21 points, 18, 13, 7. on the other side of that, if, if you really wanted to put some put something down on a flyer, like Alabama, I mean... Yeah, Nate Oates it, is a great coach too, man. Yeah, they lost by nine points to the number four ranked team. Um, they have some depth. I'm looking at two guys on their bench, uh, played 26 minutes, 18 minutes, 23 minutes. Um, two of the starters only played 11 and 15. Um, so maybe they're still trying to find that, that, good, that good key five for the, for the tournament, but... I think they were sweet 16 or elite eight last year. Bama was, they made it pretty far. They, yep. uh, they have a great offensive system where they just try and get up as many shots as they can. Yeah. Uh, they, it, which leads to failure in the tournament more times than not. But think about those Villanova J Wright teams. Like they get hot and they hit those shots. It's going to be 
like they were in the first half, really hard to keep pace with them. They are definitely a sleeper. That's why I thought it was such a good win for Kentucky because Alabama got off to the start Alabama wanted. They played tough. They were physical. And Kentucky just came back, took a bunch of punches, and rallied and won the game. It was pretty incredible. It'll be fun to watch both of those teams in the, uh, in the tournament. And then the third game we picked, I know Eric and I went head-to-head on this one, Texas Tech at Texas. Um, Texas was favored by, by three and a half points. Yep. Texas Tech won by six. Um, I know we said it was like the, the coach that left uh, returning home type, type deal, or, or maybe you can allude on that a little more to, to the storylines. Yeah, so Chris Beard left Texas Tech last year after signing an extension, winning a national championship there, all of those things. Texas Tech got Santos Silva, a transfer from, I believe, VCU. He played incredible in this game. I really liked Texas going into this game. I do not like Texas coming out of it. I don't think they have enough offense to be successful. I just don't. Like Texas Tech is arguably the best defensive team in the country, and they played like it. But Texas just doesn't have shot creators. And Chris Beard's system works, but they might be a year or two away from success under him. Um, Cunningham, their one dude, plays a ton of minutes, and he's really just like a hustle guy. Uh, your prototypical, like, undersized white forward who, like, goes out there and just tries really hard and gets good box outs. That's a great player to have if you have a lot of talent around him. They just don't have a lot of offensive talent. It was a really fun game to watch. Texas Tech looked good. I don't know if they have enough offense, but if Santos Silva plays that way inside, they're going to be a problem. Yeah, and, it, it, like, looking at Texas, dude, one starter had 20 points. All the rest had 6, 3, 9, and 0. And then yeah. their bench – eight, seven, and two, like, God, people need to get into double digits if you expect to win. And you look at Texas Tech on the flip side, if you want to talk about depth, three people on their bench played 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, Texas Tech throws everyone on their team at you, and they have a deep roster of, like, they don't have a star player per se, but they have a deep roster of pretty talented guys. Um, I don't think that translates in the tournament, but look for them to be on the three-line if they do well in the conference tournament, they could even jump to like a two seed if they win the big 12. So they, they have some upside. Yeah, no, it's looking, looking good for Texas tech. They were in 11 going into that, um, into that game. Texas was 20. Both these teams will make the tournament. Um, I might even like a flyer on Texas tech. I don't know if their if their number is enticing to a lot of people um, for that national championship um, a win, but Teams with depth, especially going into the tournament, man, that matters a yeah. lot. I, I don't like them to beat some of the top teams just because if they have to go bucket for bucket with Duke or Kentucky or Gonzaga uh, or, or even Kansas in the Big 12 tournament, that'll be a really good gauge for them. I'd like to see how they do. Conversely, keep an eye on Texas. Like I said, I'm, I'm out on them for national championship hopes. I did like them to figure things out. But they still got a few games. I mean, if they get hot and win the Big 12, they could jump all the way up to a four seed. They were a preseason number 14. So they, there was a lot of hype. Keep an eye out on them. If they shoot the ball better, they got a chance. But I, I don't think they shoot the three ball well enough to make a run. Yeah. And about this game, too, it was tied at halftime. It was 28-28. Dude, it was a really good game until about six minutes left and Texas Tech just took over. I don't think Texas scored for like eight minutes at the end of the first half or to start the second half. Yeah, and, and if you go to, like, the game flow on ESPN.com, you can see the scores in, like, a, a linear graph, I guess. 
Um, it, it, it was close most of the game. Yeah. Um, and even within with, with a minute left, it was a three point game. Like yeah, Texas it was. Could have pulled away there. So no, they uh, so uh, they were down like eight or nine points with two and a half left, and they made an insane run down the stretch. They hit a three, they got a steal, they had a dunk, they got a steal, and they hit another three, and they were right back in the game. Texas Tech got up three after that, and then they never looked back. Texas just fell apart in the last minute, but it was a good game. Texas showed promise. Like I said, Texas Tech was the better team I felt throughout the whole game, though. Yeah, um, it was solid. It's going to, God, I, I keep saying it every episode March Madness, best time of the year. It's going to be Can't so wait. fun. Can't wait. Um, then the, the, the other two picks we had, um, I don't know if you want to lead off with those the uh, dunk contest, your three point uh, contest winner, and then the all star game MVP. Yeah. So we hit on the dunk contest. It was Obi Toppin. Again, it was a really bad dunk contest, so I don't really want to give us too big of a pat in the back, but we did take one of the underdogs. He was not the betting favorite, and he won. So kudos to us if you did put money on it like I did. That's a solid win. Uh, we bet on John Morant for MVP. I also bet on John Morant for over of 18 and a half points. Neither of those hit. I should have known because of how young he was. He just didn't get a lot of touches, and you could tell very early on that he wasn't going to get a lot of touches. I also should have realized he was on the same team as Trey Young, and Trey Young was going to eat all of the touches that John Morant was supposed to get, which was a shame. But first All-Star game, I, I that hand up. I, I missed that. I should have known better. We um, both liked it. Man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I, I thought he was going to come out and light the world on fire. Again, we should have known better with how young he is in an All-Star game. He got, like, no touches. Every time he did, he pretty much scored, but. We, we also, were caught I, up in the hype, dude. Yeah, we were I caught did. up in the Don Morant got, for MVP hype, man. I, I did. I really like him, too, as a player. I mean, he did have some of the most electric moments from the game flying through the air like he was Superman, but it was a miss. It was a miss, and I missed on C.J. McCollum in the three-point. I'm kicking myself because there were a few people saying, hey, Carl Anthony Towns doesn't really jump when he shoots. It's kind of tailor-made for this tournament. He won't get tired, and I didn't listen, and he was like, the least he was the best odds to win he, he was the least expected guy he was plus a, over a thousand took cj mccollum he got eliminated in the first round he was the only he was like the fringe guy that got eliminated he missed some shots down the stretch where he could have easily had like 25 26 points and carried it into the next round but he probably wasn't beating cat regardless so i you know i don't regret that he still had an okay performance so Bro, it's it's All Star Weekend. It's a crapshoot. It is. Like, Those are you know. crapshoot bets. But I mean, hey, we hit on the big ones this weekend. That was a spectacular start to the betting corner. Great work. Come back on Friday, and we'll have some some more weekend picks. It'll be we, fun. It we will, and we'll have NBA games to pick, some college basketball, kind of the wrap up of the regular season for college basketball. I think next season's uh, conference tournament week. So. It'll be really fun. Maybe we'll pick the uh, Duke UNC game, although it probably won't be that entertaining. Yeah, let's go. But also, so out of the Finney betting corner, I got a storyline for you. When I was at the bar on Friday, I can't tell you how my heart just fluttered when I saw Johns Hopkins versus Loyola lacrosse. Oh, I don't think, I don't think you can bet on it, bro. But boy, was that game good. As a high school lacrosse player myself, Damn, was that game fun? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how many lacrosse watchers we have listening to the podcast, but we will definitely have a five-minute segment on future episodes 
as I tell you guys about some lacrosse stuff, but we're going to need I it. Think, I don't think you can bet on college lacrosse. Maybe you can on some books out there, but gotta have, someone's got to have it. I might just have to bet some of my friends, but damn that college lacrosse, man. I don't know if a lot of people watch lacrosse, but it's, it's just one of the best sports out there. Um, the pro league is, is, you know, Paul Rabel has his own league, the PLL. There's also the MLL. There's box lacrosse, which is indoor. I love lacrosse. It's not one of the big four sports, so it won't always get the best coverage. I think Peacock has a like, and, and NBC has a contract to, to show some of those professional games. But if you have ESPNU and you're it's a Saturday, 12 o'clock, you just woke up, you maybe don't want to watch some of the basketball games. College lacrosse is always a go to. Dude, like 10 years ago, they had the final four in, in Philly and I went. And it was so did I. Fun. Yeah, it was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. I think Duke won. Uh, I could be yeah, wrong. We, Duke was there. I don't really remember most of the games, but it was definitely a fun time. Yeah, I went with my high school lacrosse team, and we were just – I don't think I put on a, a drop of sunscreen that day. My yep. legs were It was so fucking sunny that day, man. I remember yes, that. Yes, it was. I remember that. But I, uh, I, I saw, Yeah, I, I saw Greg from East Coast Eyes. No one knows who this is, but it's like a big lacrosse brand from Timonium, Maryland. Um, it, it was just awesome. That was just a high school highlight. I'm getting nostalgic now. We should move on. <laughs> Dude, we will hit on college lacrosse. We will have a segment, I promise you. I, I will Here's give a, you all the shine that you want to put on it. But since we were just talking about basketball, we need to talk about this. Jawan Howard, did you see oh him? Oh, my God. Square up with that Wisconsin coach, dude. So that was the craziest shit I've ever seen. He straight up punched the wrong guy. He punched one of the assistant coaches from Wisconsin, set a bad example for his players, and then his players were out there throwing haymakers. The Wisconsin dudes were trying to get out of there. They were trying to pull their coach back and pull their people back. Michigan players are swinging, and then the camera pans to this one dude who says, like, I want the smoke, I want the smoke, and he's punching dudes looking tough. If you punch a guy from behind your own teammate, you're a pussy. Whoever that player was, you're a pussy. I'm not going to fight you because you'll win, but just know that you're a pussy. Um, that was unbelievable. I've never seen something like that. God, dude, I don't <laughs> – I, I think – I don't know if he's still on the team, but this kid, Eli Brooks, is from York, PA, which I just outed where I'm from. Um, he, he played for Spring Grove, which is a high school in, in York. We didn't, I don't know if we directly played against him, but, like, he plays on Michigan, I'm pretty sure. Like, dude, that's crazy. He got suspended for the rest of the season? Yeah, that whole team should get suspended. They, they should be eliminated from everything, not allowed to play another game, not allowed to play the conference tournament. That's a disgrace. And, I listen, I think fights are fun a lot of the time. Like, when Melo punched that dude at the Garden, that was electric. But that was a disgusting display. And Juwan Howard, Michigan needs to take a real close look if he needs to be the head coach going forward because – that was disgraceful and embarrassing for everyone that knows him and is associated with him. I, I would be embarrassed to call him my friend. It was wild, man. That's like, I don't know. College basketball didn't need that. Michigan didn't need it. Like, what do we, I don't, I don't get it. Is Michigan still ranked? I'm trying to look at the scores right now. They are now. not having a good season. They were preseason oh. ranked pretty high. They're not having a good year. That's rough, man. And now it's just all boiling over. Like, ugh. Let's Hate get, to see it, man. Let's to see get it. Greg Gard and Juwan Howard halftime of one of the NBA games boxing match. 
throw some this is the betting corner still so let's throw some money on it let's let's get a line going i'm gonna I'm go juan howard probably plus like three i mean minus like 375 and i'll put all the money on great guard because great guards from from wisconsin dog he's different type of tough he's he's out there bench pressing cows and shit <laughs> doing hay bales you know rounding those up but oh, Big man, ten that, was, that was wild man that was I mean, yeah, like you said, you love a good fight, but when it's after a game and like it's their the coach. coaches, like, like they're coaches, dude. What are they're they head doing? coach? And you got to think it's a little different than the NBA. These head coaches are father figures to these dudes. He's setting an example for his team. He throws a punch, then everything explodes and goes wild. You got to know better, Juwan. You played in the NBA for what, a million years? He was on the heat just collecting rings like he was Thanos at the end of his career, not playing a goddamn minute. <laughs> You got to know better than that. That's disgraceful and disgusting. A hundred percent. Transitioning to some NFL talk. Heads up to everyone. This isn't going to be your normal fun NFL segment from us. Uh, I have some thoughts on the NFL and their lack of responsibility that they're taking for the Washington football team situation. And frankly, it's repulsive. So the NFL has finally led an investigation into Dan Snyder specifically and the Washington football team. The woman they appointed, Mary Jo White, is such a predictable NFL move. She's the former head of the SEC, not the Southeastern Conference, the Securities Exchange Commission. When she was the head of the SEC, she sent requests to Congress for bailouts. She also worked with the NFL previously on the Saints Bounty Gate scandal, but ultimately found no wrongdoing and told them that everything was fine. She stepped down from the SEC in 2016 in disgrace. Uh, On June 2nd, 2015, Senator Elizabeth Warren wrote a letter to White indicating that her leadership of the commission has been extremely disappointing, pointing out numerous shortcomings and failures during her tender. Warren admonished that White had failed to finalize certain Dodd-Frank rules, did not curb the use of waivers for company that violated security laws, allowed settlements without admission of guilt, and was too frequently uh, recused because of her husband's activities. By the way, her husband, John White, is the head of a major financial firm. The perfect fit for the NFL to lead an investigation where they know what the answer is. They don't want to find anything. But women were attacked. Women's lives were ruined during this. I mean, I was reading an op-ed piece from September when I was really digging into this by Melanie Coburn. She was a former cheerleader for the Washington football team. She details a video called The Good Bits, produced by Larry Michael, the team's then lead broadcaster and senior vice president. He produced two videos featuring the naked bodies of Washington football team cheerleaders, filmed without their knowledge or consent, And one former employee said they were made specifically for Snyder, where the soundtrack was a compilation of Snyder's favorite songs. Snyder and Michael have both declined that this is true. This woman put herself out there in September, and the NFL has tried to silence her since. She had a change.org campaign that started on February 18th, 2021. It was called Do the Right Thing for Women. It has nearly 400,000 signatures and support. She talks about sleepless nights, anxiety-ridden days, 
goons sent by Dan Snyder to come visit her house and other cheerleaders' house to offer them money and silence them. Many of the cheerleaders have already been silenced because Snyder's offered them millions of dollars in secret. The major overarching point of this is none of this has been reported on by the media, and there's a reason for it. The NFL doesn't ever want it to get out. They scapegoated John Gruden. I'm not defending John Gruden. What he did was disgusting, but they use the same formula they used back with Colin Kaepernick in 2016. It's much easier to get mad and ridicule one man than an entire organization or group of people. When Colin Kaepernick took that knee, they made it about Colin Kaepernick, not black athletes. Black athletes were getting fined 300K every time they took a knee or did a protest, but you never heard about that because it's a lot easier to hate one man than hate an entire race of people within an organization. The NFL is smart and they choose which media outlets they go to and who gets to cover what. And it's not optional. It is a dictatorship in information. And they curate everything special. And the reason that you're not going to hear about Mary Jo White leading this investigation and her shortcomings, the reason you're not going to hear about these women whose lives were ruined by the Washington football team is the NFL. They're the overlord. Roger Goodell decides everything. By the way, he's the one that appointed Mary Jo White as the lead investigator for this. I want to leave you with a quote by Melanie Coburn. She said, I am a daughter, a sister, a wife. I am called mommy by my two amazing boys who are learning how to respect women and will know what sexual harassment means. I hope that we will continue to press for the truth as it will always set you free. And if Washington fans deserve anything, it is to be free of the toxic, drama-filled, misogynistic culture that comes from the top. Release the damn report. NFL, release the damn report. It's the same argument I made with the MLB in the Hall of Fame. Give me the information and let me decide. Stop trying to cover the asses of these disgusting men who led this organization and let us as a public decide if your league is toxic. It's time for a change and we need to do it now. And I'm sorry I've been harping on this point over and over and over again with this scandal, but they're burying it. No one's talking about it. And I want people to talk about it because they ruin these women's lives. They filmed them naked without consent and showed it to each other and laughed about it. And Dan Snyder is a repulsive creep. And this team should be ripped from him and everything else should. He can't scapegoat anyone else. It's time for the reckoning to come upon the NFL and Dan Snyder. Without a doubt, it's, this is long overdue. Like, haven't we been hearing about this for at least two to three years? They selected which emails they wanted to release for the Gruden scandal. Why can't we see Dan Snyder's emails? So you're going to release the ones you want to release, but, but not everything, right? Because you don't have an obligation to do it. Well, you know what? You might not have a fucking legal obligation, but you have a moral obligation. And it's time to see him. I'm so sick of talking about this, dude. And the sad thing is nothing will change because... I'll be honest with you, Finn. I'm going to watch all the preseason in week one in the Hall of Fame game, and I'm going to be hype and ready to go. I'm going to watch the draft. But behind the scenes, all of this is going on, and women's lives are ruined. The fact that this was happening in 2015, 16, 17, and it's still happening now, it, we can't let this happen. And they're setting us up for it to keep happening with this appointment of Mary Jo White to lead the investigation because she's clearly a yes woman who's going to respond to everything Goodell wants her to do and the owners want her to do. We have to cry foul. We just do. Yep. You, you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's a, the owners are a billionaire's boys club. Roger Goodell is there. 
I don't know, just he's their lackey and he does what they want. This is probably a lady that knows the, knows the owners or has connections to them. Listen, we all want her to do the right thing. Would we be surprised though, if just like the bounty gate scandal, she says there's no wrongdoing or they fire a mid-level front office guy for, um, for the Washington football team. I wouldn't be surprised. It's a damn shame. This is way overdue. They need to fix it. He, he needs to sell the team. We've been saying that for episodes. We've been saying that in private conversations for years. They need to force him to sell the team. Dude, the investigation that White is leading is into a different cheerleader, actually a former employee of the Washington football team, Tiffany Johnston. She accused Snyder of grabbing her leg under a table at dinner and then trying to forcibly push her into a limo afterwards, only backing down when his lawyer convinced him that it was a bad idea. This man is a gremlin. He's evil. And the fact that we keep enabling him to do things like this is reminiscent of the Hollywood lifestyle and scandal that we saw unfold for 35 years. This treatment of women is wrong. And if you enable a man like Snyder to do it in power, then other people see that and continue to do it. I guarantee you he's not the only owner doing this type of shady shit around the NFL. And it's sickening. It's fucking sickening. And nothing's going to change. It, it's just, it needs to change. It's time to change it. Without a doubt. Yeah, that, man. The biggest sports league in the world. You can't have these fucking issues. Like, what? Why are we putting up with it? We're, we're not, but it seems like the people that run the league are. Because he's one of them. And if they oust Snyder, then all of them have to be ousted for this type of behavior. And that's the overarching theme. And that's why I know that more of this is going on behind the scenes. Because if everyone else was clean, they'd make Snyder sell the team. They'd say, yeah, this is not the example we want to set. But when you pull the rug out from one guy, a bunch of skeletons pop out from the floorboards. And that's what's going to happen. And you know what? That day of reckoning, it has to come. And the only way it's going to come is if we all stand up and say no to it. And I guarantee you next year they run anti-sexual harassment ads. That's going to happen. That's a guarantee. When Kaepernick happened and they were racist towards black players and said, oh, it's about the soldiers. Well, Kaepernick went to a soldier after... He decided to sit on the bench during the national anthem who told him that was disrespectful. But if you take a knee, that's not a former Navy SEAL told him that the NFL then switched up the narrative and said, no, 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 it's disrespectful to the soldiers because they didn't want the backlash. It's going to happen again, man. And they're already setting the stage for it. And until we change this culture, nothing's going to change. And women are going to have their lives ruined. And it's disgusting. And I'm sorry if I'm getting upset and, and really angry about it, but it upsets me. And it's the league that I love to watch, but knowing this is going on behind the scenes is disgusting. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he definitely has dirt on all the other owners. So that's why it's being held up, and that's why they're not doing anything, just like you said. Yeah. Once the first domino falls, the rest of them have to go. There's no stopping that momentum. And I guarantee you there's other guys. I mean, look at what Brian Flores had to say about the Denver Broncos and about the Miami Dolphins. If the Dolphins owner is offering hundred K for losses by a coach, imagine what he's offering in settlements to people that he's wronged. And when you have that much money and that much power, we see it in politics. We see it in business with Amazon and Google and all these companies. When you have that much money and that much power, you get to make any decision you want with no ramifications. And like, not to bring it back to Mary Jo White, but she's someone who lets that shit slide. 
if you give her enough money, she'll let that shit slide. And I guarantee you the, M- the NFL is dropping off a bag at her house. And it's disgusting. And something needs to be done. And the, I, I mean, I would say the government needs to get involved, but I don't even know if I trust them to investigate this with how much money the NFL makes. I, it's a fucked up situation and we need to stand up. And if you're a Washington football fan or a Washington comrades fan or whatever they are now, Washington commanders, stand up. Don't buy tickets to the game. Don't buy the new merchandise for the team. I know it's hard, but make a stand, make a difference, make that snake lose money, and then maybe something will change. Well, shit, that was me venting about this situation. Um, any closing thoughts from you, Finn? Lighten the mood a little bit? I mean, I've been watching Billions recently. Yeah. Like, I just started it. Fucking phenomenal show. It is a good show. But I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like it, it's kind of – it, it alludes to this situation as well. Like, you're talking about a U.S. district attorney. He, it's not the head of the SEC, but – a guy who has to recuse himself investigating a major hedge fund that's doing insider trading. Um, that's getting alluded to Mary Jo White. I mean, it's just when you have all these people that are so rich and so powerful that all know each other, that all need each other's support at different times, that all reach out to each other. Like I, I said it before, it's a billionaire's boys club. Like they have so much money. It's so easy for them to throw around, you know, million to the police or to a charity or this or that. And then through that, you know, in kind of not even in kind donation, but an actual donation, they can buy their influence like that. It's not straight bribery, but if if you donate to a certain organization, it's just, it's just as bad as bribery. And, you know, I'm not going to say that this is going on behind the scenes that they're paying people off, but I'm also going to say that it's not because that's right in line with what these people do. Um, you know, I don't know if, if they sell the team, like who's going to buy it. Bezos. Like, is that any better to have this guy just like owning a football team? I, I don't know. <sighs> it's tough, man. It's, it's, it's a situation like we wish we didn't have to talk about it, but it's in the news. It's, it's a reality and it needs to be fixed. And do I trust Roger, Roger Goodell to do it? Do I trust all these owners to hold their other billionaire buddy accountable i don't not at all but i don't know i'm gonna keep watching billions and let you let you guys know what's what what happens i'll leave everyone with this tanya snyder dan snyder's wife who's now technically in charge of the team even though we all know that's a joke said that they've apologized numerous times and the comments were selectively quoted and taken out of context Written from the Melanie Coburn article, Melanie states, she belittled us and lied to us. We feel invisible, deflated, marginalized, diminished. I gave 14 years of my life to the Washington football team, and I couldn't even get a written report. Did you know the Wells report was 243 pages? 243 pages for deflated balls. But we have sexual harassment, assault, abuse over decades and no written report? We've asked the NFL to meet and discuss the findings of the investigation, and they have not agreed. The NFL refuses to release the information publicly to help these women in court, and it's disgraceful. And ladies and gentlemen, with that, that is the Victory Formation podcast. We'll see you all on Friday. Much lighter note, we'll talk some NBA headed into the weekend. James Harden's debut with the Sixers will hopefully occur before then on Thursday. 
We'll uh, reprise Finney's betting corner for the weekend. We'll see if we can stay hot, hit on some college basketball, and send you guys into the weekend on a great positive note. Get it. Peace. I keep that thing on me, god damn it Bobby They see me selling propane and now they trying to copy Pretend to be broke but I got hella cash If you use charcoal I'ma kick your ass Made this money from propane bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar but I don't sell cocaine bitch Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me I keep a rocket launcher in my basement Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar but I don't sell cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement That's my purse, I don't know you If you running up then I pull out this 32 Bitch he's big, Bobby spitting heat in the stew I got rats on rats and you ain't got a clue God damn it, Bobby. Shut the fuck up. When I'm on the block, bitch, I fucking shit. Oh man, god damn. Bitch, I'm pulling out, painting clouds on my walls. Better go kick my dad Whoa. in the balls. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar but I don't sell cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement Oh man, goddamn Bobby, I know you were capping the whole time, boy I know you get no bitches and no hoes and no paper, no bands, boy All you do is sit in the fucking basement all day and play World of Warcraft with your bitch ass Jerking off to hentai all day with your ugly ass, man Bobby, you need to go get a fucking job or something, man I'm about to kick you out of the house, you're